You're listening to Cards to the Moon, a podcast about trading cards from both a collector and investor perspective. We hope you'll stick around for the ride as we take a deep dive into the state of the hobby, share some hot takes, hopefully some useful advice and fun stories along the way. Hey guys, welcome back to Cards to the Moon. This is episode 137. And my name is Clark from Five Card Guys on Instagram and FiveCardGuys.com. With me co-hosting as usual is John, who is Trade You at Recess on Instagram. Hyung, however, is away this week, but filling in today is our good friend Will, back by popular demand. Thanks, Will, for dropping by as always. It's great to be back. Great to see you guys. I know, I know some fans um, are excited to hear that you're with us for this episode. Um, John, before we start the show with our off-the-top segment, since you've been away for a couple of shows, we didn't get a chance to ask you, our resident hockey podcast host, your initial thoughts on Connor Bedard most likely going to the Chicago Blackhawks when the draft happens. Uh, so yeah, what do you think? you think it's going to make a... It's a big deal for him to go to the Blackhawks if it's if, if it matters yes. at all. And what impact do you think he'll have for the hobby? Yes, I, I think it's gonna be it's huge, man. I I you know it's so big that so many hockey people were saying that the draft was rigged, and you know of course Chicago Blackhawks get Bedard, <laughs> right? You know right after totally they rigged. they're losing Taves and Kane and all that <laughs> stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, that's huge. You like as a. Uh, as a fan, I, I mean, you know, if you're not a Chicago Blackhawks fan, I get it. I've, I've, you guys know that Patrick Kane is one of my all-time favorite players, so I do have a bit of a bias towards Chicago. So it, it's, um, yeah, I think it's pretty cool to see him go there, and and for the hobby, like that's what you want to see, right? You want to see your studs going to a major team. Like you don't want to, you know, no offense to Arizona, but you know, I don't think most people want to see Bedard going to Arizona or one of the um, the cities that are just not on the radar for. Uh, mainstream hockey right so uh yeah it's a huge thing for the hobby and and bedard in general i mean i i listened to the the episode that you guys were kind of chatting about him yeah um you know ever since the pandemic started like we just nhl has not had the studs up in the top five picks during this hobby hype and i think hockey has been starved for a big time marquee player and this is it right here so bedard is going to get all of the attention all of the hype Wimbenyama, all of that stuff, you know, it's it's going it's going right to it's going right to hockey. So this is like hockey fans, everybody, you know, it, it's gonna be good, but at the same time, a little bit of warning. I would not unless you're ripping packs and you happen to hit Bedard, but uh for me, as much as I, I'm a fan of the kid and I've seen him play and you, you guys we, we watch World mm-hmm. Juniors and all of that stuff, um, he looks all the bit legit. Uh but man, that that initial drop the hype on his cards is going to be incredible like his junior yeah, cards his sure. like hockey canada cards which normally do not fetch that much of a premium they're going for it big time money right now so oh really you can only imagine wow. you know like and, and fast forward like what what is Sidney crosby's hockey canada card worth what is you know mcdavid's eerie otters card worth like not, not that much right but you know, sure. when you see Bedard's going for like thousands, you know, like thousand, two thousand, twenty five hundred, thirty five hundred, um, it's pretty, it's, it's pretty wild, man. So yeah, when when his Young Guns comes out, when his SP Authentic comes out, it's mm-hmm. it's gonna be a wildfire. I feel man. like since the hobby hype, there was that Alexis Lafreniere, right? Yeah. Like, and he didn't really pan out. Yeah. 
I, I know I know the comparison's not good. I think we can all agree Bedard's talent's way better, yeah. but um, there was that hype. But uh, how would you compare Bedard with McDavid in terms of the hype level coming into the league? For me, like, uh, you know, my brother and I, we, we talk about this quite a bit, and he's starting to become convinced that Bedard is on the generational scale. Mm. I'm not quite there yet. And but okay. I think he's a he's well above he is all the bit legit. So we're talking like I kind of put him on that, you know, like A plus star, not the A plus plus generational, but kind of like your Steve Eiserman, your Austin Matthews, like you know mm. maybe in between sure. McDavid and Austin Matthews, some somewhere in between. I, I'm a little con- I'm a little concerned with his size. That's it. It's it's okay, it's, it's that, one thing to be sniping and you know like even like Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Lafreniere, these guys with smaller builds like Jonathan Duran, they can have stellar World Juniors, but when it comes to right. the the pros and you're playing against grizzled men, um, I think <laughs> I think Bedard's size kind of concerns me. So I, I want to it's a bit of a wait and see. I want to see how he does against grown men. Um, yeah. The difference between, like, for example, like Ryan Nugent Hopkins, he, he had a stellar World Juniors career and he didn't really pan out. Um, the two big of the difference, and, and, and Nugent, Hopkins, Nugent Hopkins actually carved out a pretty good career for himself. Sure. Like, Bedard's got the shot. You know, he's got that that nasty release. So we'll see what happens. Um, I'm not quite there yet. I got to see at least one year and then I, I can make a bit of better assessment. But yeah. All right. Yeah, appreciate the. Hockey talk input. Um, wait, wait, to get wait. Your I have a question. Sure. I have a question. <laughs> okay. So, what is the like? What is the future for the Blackhawks over the next couple of years hmm. without um, without Bedard? What does the team look like? Because they just like they're just you know Taze and uh, Kane are gone Kane. now. So, is there just yeah. like a complete vacuum of talent? Yep, they're gonna be they're in full rebuild, so it's oh, so uh, they're probably gonna suck gonna, for a few it's years. Go, it's probably gonna look a little bit ugly for <laughs> the first foreseeable future. Yeah, give it give it so it's, a couple of years at least. So it's like a Penguins hmm. build, like you're not just getting Crosby, you're getting Malkin, you're getting yes, yes. yeah, Mark Andre yeah. Fleury, just like hoarding number one overall picks. Yeah, Peng. It's funny enough, Penguins were in the same. Is such a similar scenario where I, actually for Penguins they're actually gonna they were close to folding completely. Remember you, yeah, I remember all of that. the Jim Balsilli and Waterloo right, right. and all of that stuff. And then lo and behold, right as they're about to fold, they get number one pick for generational player Sidney Crosby. Like <laughs> it's I mean, in the script, say, yeah, man. Say, it's in the back then people were saying, oh, it's so rigged. Like you know, of course he's going to Pittsburgh, yeah. who's about to fold. Yeah. If any, right. if anyone's going to rig, it's gonna be what's his face, that dirty face man. What's his name? Gary, Gary Batman. Batman. Yeah, he's the sleaziest <laughs> of all. All right. Uh, well, if that's the case, we know exactly how the Blackhawks are going to turn out in the next five years. <laughs> They're going to be Stanley Cup contenders. Yeah, it's a bye, bye, bye. <laughs> They're going to get number one overall <laughs> next year, who's going to be some ridiculous stud, and then they're going to go all the way. Right. Okay, well, you heard it here first on this podcast. <laughs> all right, so off the top today, I just want to talk about Panini America because it hasn't been a good week for them. hasn't been a good month for them. Oh, boy. And if you haven't heard, first, their offices in Texas were robbed. 
right? Sustaining thousands of dollars in damages as well as having their computer system knocked offline. I don't know if you got the email. I got an email from Panini America saying the customer service is down and uh, now I know why because um, they got robbed over the long US weekend. Uh, there are questions also of what cards and even redemptions that might have been stolen. That's going to be a big deal once that information comes out. Well, speaking of redemptions, just last week or a couple weeks ago, a collector named Carl Zhu uh, mentioned on social media that he submitted a redemption for a one-of-one Jason Tatum Logoman card more than four years ago. And he said he was still waiting for the redemption to be fulfilled until one day he saw someone list that card he was waiting for on eBay. Right? And uh, I believe we're still waiting to hear if Panini can explain what happened there. And of course, in a couple of years, Panini is about to lose its NBA license and the NBA Players Association license. So the question for you guys is simply, do you think this is the beginning of the end for Panini America? Or can Panini turn things around? What do you guys think? I think Panini is trash. I've always felt that way. But it's also because <laughs> right. I missed the years of collecting when Panini came into power and into like built up a presence. So I care yeah. nothing. I think what's it called? Prism is such an ugly, like the border's ugly. I think <laughs> right. the cards look ugly. It's such a thick border. It shows so little of the image. I'm just not a fan of Panini products unless it's um, Donruss Optic. Right. Because that's sure. got the rated rookie, right? So mm -hmm. I like I like that because that's kind of like old school, that logo and whatever. But Panini in general, yeah. like I'm just not. I'm I'm glad they're losing their license. Like I'm all for tops and and Bowman and mm -hmm. all that stuff. So okay, honest, yeah. honest opinion. And you mentioned the border thing before about it's, the Panini it's card design. It's so awful. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, John? I um, I think by default I have not been a fan of Panini because of all the stories that are here. So mm -hmm. through others pain, I have become like a, like a, a bit of a panini hater. And I mean, how, <clears throat> because I think for the three of us, we, we rip open baseball more than anything. Um, yeah. And generally basketball in the past, anything panini product has been just even football has just been way too expensive to rip. So I don't think the three of us sitting here really have experienced some of the pains the, the, of actual Panini customers, whether it's redemptions or dealing with their customer service. But we all heard the stories right. and we all know uh, how bad it can get. So, I mean, this is, you know, people use, you may, have, you may have mentioned it, Clark, but people have been using the word fiasco. Like this is a fiasco. I don't, I don't know what's going on. You know, it's it's yeah. to the point where you hear stories about computers being knocked offline, uh, robberies happening, like quote unquote robberies happening. I don't even know the truth anymore. You know, like during COVID you, in in the Toronto area and stuff, like a lot of restaurants were quote unquote mm. on fire. Like completely, <laughs> you never see a restaurant ever burn to the ground, and all of a sudden there's like twelve restaurants burned to the ground, and you know those are insurance claims, right? So I don't. You don't know what to believe. And, and at the same time, as much as we, we want to maybe negatively assume all of this is a little questionable and we don't know the intentions and what the heck is going on, 
you know, yeah. Panini at the same time as a business, they don't want to devalue their business because perhaps they were in the motion to try and sell or to, you know, so they want do right, want the sure. highest, you know, um, business valuation, right? So, man, either way, this is this is bad, man. I don't know, you know, the one of one redemption thing, if that story is true, because we don't know if it's actually true, if it's just some right. some guy just saying that stuff, you know, and the and the stories of of the um being knocked offline and the burglary and what we just talked about i i don't know man this is this is this is rough on panini i I don't know what's going to happen here but (laughs) it's in terms of the hobby and their brand uh i don't know if it can get any worse than this this is pretty rough so so it's pretty bad yeah john mentioned the conspiracy right like this little conspiracy (laughs) hot take that uh panini set themselves on fire Either to draw attention away from the fact that one of their employees is stealing <laughs> redemption cards yeah, or whatever. Yeah. The, the timing is very suspect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I have an even better conspiracy. Oh, here oh we go. okay. It wasn't it. Panini that broke into Panini. It was Fanatics that broke into Panini mm. to, <laughs> to devalue <laughs> Panini. <laughs> So that Panini's like, oh man, like nobody trusts us in the hobby. Nobody likes us. Will yeah, from right. Will from uh, Cards to the Moon keeps ragging on us in the podcast. You know what? We you need know what? To well, sell. Yeah. What are you gonna say? I'm gonna just add to that conspiracy theory oh, okay, because I forgot to mention. Okay. This is this is getting interesting. I forgot to mention that there's a loss. There was a lawsuit, or there is a lawsuit. With um, between Panini and Fanatics, because oh. remember some key employees from Panini oh, yeah. went to, to work for Fanatics, yeah. and then there's a lawsuit that Fanatics is poaching their best employees. Right. And the last thing I heard of that was that lawsuit is put on hold while they figure certain things out. Mm. Right. Incredible. So, Incredible. Listen, the, wait, wait. the employees that they all of a sudden got right, they probably got some key information about how panini works because the burglary if you didn't hear none of the alarms were tripped oh shoot oh the conspiracy defense oh oh my goodness time out before (laughs) we continue i'm not a lawyer Mm -hmm. but we have to let everyone know that we do not actually believe in any of these things that we're saying (laughs) and we're not presenting them as fact we're just making up fun stories yeah. Good Dang, disclaimer. That's good that's disclaimer. pretty disclaimer. good, Clark. That is pretty good. <laughs> These employees are like going George Costanza. Inf- yeah, I like how you said key information, like literally the information <laughs> as to where the keys are to enter into the building. <laughs> yeah. Yes, oh, yes. Man. This is all in jest. But back to back to being a little bit more serious. You know, it's it's to the point where Panini's got to be probably sold sooner or later, right? It it reminds me, we talked about this in our last week's episode, I think, with Hyung and I about PWCC. They got screwed over by their collateralized program when, you know, they uh, lent out a bunch of loans and kept the cards as collateral. But then, of course, those card values got mm. uh, just started to plummet. And then the, the people that took out the loans are like, keep my cards. I'd rather keep the money and default. And, you know, so PWCC was in a tough situation. It just seems like this is the trajectory of Panini. Like they're going to be, if not already, in a really tough situation. And their best way out might be just to be acquired by 
fanatics. Right. <laughs> it seems like they're the one best position to take over. Right. But who knows? Who knows? This is a funny business, a funny industry. Anything can happen. But it's been a rough time for Panini, that's for sure. Yep. <laughs> maybe maybe it's because Succession, the the series finale just happened. I don't know if you guys watched Succession. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'm like I just do. super into like all these kind of little conspiracy things, and it's just like, like what if the financial backers for PWCC are in cahoots with some company? <laughs> right. And then yeah. what if like the media organizations that are presenting some of these facts are in cahoots with one specific company? And this company is now taking mm-hmm. over the whole card hobby world. And there's like some secret board, and yeah. it just came down to one vote. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> spoiler, spoiler. Alert. Don't yeah. Sorry, I, I didn't. I didn't say what happened. Sports, sports cards, Illuminati. Let's go. I would. I would collect uh, Succession cards. Fanatics, yeah, no, fanatics, get on it. Give me a one on one Kendall, Kendall Roy. Logan Roy is going to be the Logan prize, Roy. I think. John yeah. has no idea anyway. what we're talking about. I have, I have no idea what you guys are talking about. <laughs> you have to watch it. It's, it's such a great show. What, what is it on? What oh, platform? man. HBO. HBO. Yeah, I don't have that. HBO Max, yeah. Crave for us Canadians. Oh. I, I watched it through Crave. All right. Anyway, back on topic. We'll see what happens with Panini. Hopefully, they can get out of it. Hopefully, there's a good story out of this. Um, but uh, we'll keep an eye out on all the loose end developments that are taking place right now um and when when we hear more we'll talk about it in our next podcast episode all right let's move on to our next segment we call hobby headlines so for today's show i thought instead of just focusing on all the bad things about the hobby uh what are some things we'd like to see happen in the hobby that would make collecting cards a better experience that's the kind of question i want to ask you guys um, yeah, what would make collecting cards more fun and even grow the hobby base as Fanatics says they want to do? So I can start by giving a quick example. We talked about this before, but Fanatics tops Panini if they're still around after all this. My one advice or my one suggestion is you got to make less parallels, all right, especially of rookie cards. Um, there are just too many to keep track of. And for the investors, it ultimately, I believe, devalues most of the rookie cards, right? There's only going to be one or two that's worth something. All the rest, trash. And for the collector, you know, good luck trying to collect the whole set if that's what you're into, right? Because there's so many parallels. I don't know if you've seen some of Scotty B cards, our hobby friend, his latest videos about like how many parallels are there are for certain modern baseball sets it's just insane Mm. and um it's just impossible to try to collect a whole set i know um will you're trying to do that with hyunjin ru i don't know how you're keeping up with all the parallels for his cards but there's just so many yeah Uh, yeah. maybe it's fun to chase all of it but i'm sure it could uh drain your wallet for certain players but anyway yeah my suggestion is to make less parallels for fanatics you know try to try to keep that in mind and also tops this is a personal request for me. You know, stop adding home field advantage SSP sets, all right? <laughs> like I'm trying to I'm trying to finish the set and there's a new one out like again 2023. I thought it was a one off, one year, you know? And then now there there're three more coming up, you know? Series 1, Series 2 and <laughs> update for 2023. So I'm not even done 2022 yet. 
But I think I'm going to stop with 2022 because that's the inaugural um, home field advantage set. But anyway, um, I have another one, but I'm going to throw it to you guys. you have any suggestions, any hobby wish list that you want to talk about? <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, I'll, let me go first. I'll go first. I'm with you, man. I, I'm parallels. Yeah, they're, they've gotten mm-hmm. pretty, pretty annoying now. Um, I would be, <laughs> even if I couldn't buy a box and I couldn't afford it, I would be 100% okay with the flagship Chrome product, whether it's Prism or Tops for baseball, being a lot more limited, like a Sapphire. I would prefer that. And, and you know, if it's a thousand dollars a box and I can't afford it, I'm still okay with that. I like, as a hobbyist, uh, as a part of the sports car, you know, the hobby and the culture, I would prefer that rather than seeing the flagship product mm-hmm. being like printed galore. Um, you know, as we move forward, I, I, for me, I mean, I've, I think I've said this too many times, but no more freaking sticker autos. That's number one. Uh, the more right. I, the more I complain about it and the more I look at sticker autos, I just, it's a big, I think before I, I let it slide and I was like, you know what? It makes sense. Logistically, they have to do it. So I, I'm okay with sure. it. But now it just bothers me too much. Like it, this, we're way past <laughs> it where we don't need to do that anymore. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, especially when it's get, we're getting at the Fanatics, I think they will, I, you know, I've heard that they are, they may be planning to do this and maybe they already kind of have, but any game used or relic, at least put on where that, where it came from. Like, I think that would be such right. a great touch. You know, this is Otani's sick, yeah. game used jersey from like, you know, April 2nd, 2023 at the, you know, angels versus white Sox or something at least some kind of detail where that yeah. jersey comes from that would be awesome and like you know i think something like that would make it better i don't think it would make relics better enough so this is this is another one is if you're going to make hits <laughs> quote unquote hits you guys right. you know these companies should know well enough now what a hobbyist considers a hit and what is not a hit like a, a <laughs> relic card non-auto is not a hit you cannot pass that as a hit on a two, three, four, five hundred dollar box, that is nonsense. Like you got to put in automatic autos. You know, if it's one auto, you know how they say maybe one auto. I think it now should be one auto, maybe more autos. I think that should be the standard for like a hobby box. So that's what I can think of for yeah. now. I'll I'll keep thinking as you guys are talking. This is a good one. Uh, I will just add. Like I think I probed Dean. Or I I can't remember where I saw it, but um. They were talking about the difference between game used relics and player worn. Player worn, right? yeah. Like yeah, the yeah. player worn is where they go to the they event. could just be wearing it. Yeah. Yeah. And they do some signings, but they're wearing it while they're doing signings and then they'll take that right. jersey and then they'll cut it up and that's player worn as opposed to game used, like you were just explaining earlier. Like if they're in a game, if they could somehow label it on this specific game, you know, against this team. Um, so that's the difference. And my suggestion would be get rid of the player worn relics like mm. come on that's that's kind of you know it, it doesn't really add value to the car i don't think it's any cooler if i even especially if i knew that he wore it to an autograph event in ohio somewhere mm-hmm. and that's the patch i got in the card right so i prefer game used and maybe maybe then that could be considered a hit if it starts to get around that oh this is a, actually a patch card from that no hitter that show hate through right you know what i mean right. Something, something like that. Anyway, I remember. That's a good I remember seeing. Uh, I can't remember who, which player it was, but uh, somebody had uh, game used relic auto, and there was blood on the jersey. 
It was. Mm. It's like it's so disgusting and so awesome at the same time. <laughs> That's the one I want. Yeah, yeah. got DNA there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I think a while back, I think it was John. You said uh, it'd be cool if there was some sort of like um, was not not a barcode. What was that code? QR code. Where it like shows you where that game, like what game it was, and like some of the data, and Mm. how maybe with fanatics coming in, that's something that they could do. I think like that would Mm. make make game use so much more valuable, so much more of an actual hit, like you were saying. Yeah, like uh, because even like I don't know, they're they're so it's like lawyer speak, like player worn, and it's like they're wearing forty jerseys, forty jerseys for five seconds. And it's like, like I feel like it could be like, oh yeah, player worn, but we didn't specify which player. It was actually, you know, like it was actually Taylor Heineman wearing a Bobachet jersey. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) well, I don't want that. Or like game use. It's like, oh, it was a game of pickleball that they were playing on an off day. Like, (laughs) you know, like, like I hate that they're so lawyery in all their phrasing and stuff like that. So a little bit more clarity. Um, and I think that QR code, yeah. Yeah, transparency would be would be really cool. Uh, for me, Can my hobby fixes are more on the selling side. Uh, as okay. a Canadian, it's so tough to sell, and yeah. uh, there's so many extra charges, and um, there's HST, which is killer. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just so much of that I hate. So it's hard to sell on eBay Canada. Um, especially down to the states, and you have all the um, what's it called duties and all that. And then when I yeah. go to Facebook groups, it's like I I think I talked about this one time before, but it's like I hate having to scroll scroll through like the garbage that people are posting. Like I just saw a post today, <laughs> some person they just joined the group, and within the first like five minutes, they blasted like fifteen different posts. With like the worst right. taken pictures, and like half of them were like overpriced, and the other half were like, I, I just found these in my garage. I don't know what they're worth. Uh, Five hundred dollars. And you look, and it's like, <laughs> oh, nineteen ninety one upper deck baseball, and like, <laughs> right. and they're like, how much is it? How much is yeah. it? And it's just like, I can't believe I have to scroll through all this garbage when I'm trying to find some higher end stuff. Or some, you know, like <laughs> mid stuff. So I wish there was a better way to sell. Like, like Facebook could yeah. be a good platform, but there's just too much trash to weed through. And then right. my thing that I always felt was like, you know, we always talk in our WhatsApp group about upcoming shows. And because we're all family men, <laughs> we yeah. invariably never get to go to the show for as long as we want to. It's always like, right. you know, like three months before the event. It's like, yeah, I'm going all three days. And then two months before the event, it's like, yeah, yeah, two days for sure. And then yeah. a week before, it's like, I don't know. I might come for like two hours. My kid's, my kid has a swimming lesson. Maybe I can go in between for 32 minutes. Like right. I did the GPS. and I got 17 minutes that I can spend in there. And so like yeah. I always thought it'd be nice if like you could have some sort of like virtual card show. Where it's like, you know, a vendor can just either take a picture 
or upload on some sort of database. Hey, these are the cards that I have virtually come by my table. And if you see something you like, send me a message. And then I can like message them and be like, hey, like I really like that Boba Chet card. Uh, I have this uh, one Soto card. Would you be interested? And then you can like kind of talk through that. So I wish there was something like that that would just make buying, selling, trading a little bit easier. Um, even if it was yeah. just like a local I like thing. that. Yeah, like a local virtual show. Or if it was like tacked on to the actual card show. Yeah. You know what? It, I don't know if Sports Card Expo did that or if it was another show during the height of the pandemic when no one could go out. So they had these virtual um, rooms that you can go to. Essentially, those rooms would be effectively virtual booths. Uh-huh. Right? Um, so they did have something like that. But, the, of course, the user experience wasn't the greatest. It was kind of like an experiment. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But I think if they had developed more on that, now that everything's opened up, they kind of like, okay, we don't need this anymore. But I would think that if you are a, um, you know, if you had a booth, that would just be added business for you if you could do it well, right? Yeah. Like you, you would have more eyeballs on your inventory. You know, you just don't, don't need people to come um, necessarily in person. So I'm, I'm a, I agree with you. Yeah, and like you could, yeah. if you if you could do some sort of database too, like like you could take a picture of your cards, right, and just upload that, and then people can sift through photos, kind of like when we walk through booths. But you could also put up like the names of the cards, so it's like you could write like you know Alex Verdugo, rookie autograph, right, and then like let's say I'm on this virtual site, I can just type in Alex Verdugo, and it'll take me to all the booths that have. A card. I don't know. I just feel like it would be so much simpler. No, I I feel like there's bits and pieces of that technology on different platforms. It's not like all yeah. in one place. Arena yeah. Club kind of does something similar to that, where you could showcase oh, your own collection. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you got to do the work of vaulting it there, or uh-huh. you know, right. uploading the photos. I don't know if they do it, but you still have to do a lot of work. I yeah. guess you got to do it anyways. But um, because it's all over the place, like you wouldn't know to go to arena club to check that out. Cause everyone just goes on eBay online. Right. Or, you know, my slots for other cards. Like it's, there's no one place. Maybe fanatics will fix it. Maybe that's a good thing. If fanatics does become a monopoly, mm-hmm. it's like, we're a one-stop shop for all your needs. Maybe that'll be one thing, but, but then again, no one likes monopolies too. So yeah. I don't know. <laughs> what the Unless it's is. monopoly prism. <laughs> <laughs> that would make sense. All right. Um, I like that one, though. I like it. And I totally agree with you with um, being in Canada, really being anywhere outside the U.S. Yeah. International collectors are kind of a little screwed over in terms of shipping and all the duties and taxes that go with it. It's, it's you know, yeah. we got to fix that problem if we really want this hobby to be international. That's what I think. I got, um, I got another one. Okay. Uh, and it's a two-part because it, it's both on the player and the company. I, I'm mm-hmm. starting to get tired of seeing the lazy autos. I think Cardporn Lameem James featured the latest one, which was City <laughs> right. this Detroit Pistons City Bay. I don't know if you guys saw it, but he's now signing his autos with a line. It's just a little small line. <laughs> like that, that's ridiculous. How could you not even put your initials? Like that's that is ridiculous. So that's. For me, yeah. on the player side, that is like completely unacceptable, and on the 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 company side, because you got to kind of feel for these players, like they're signing 
Panini is going to send them. Here's a bunch of cards. Yeah, it's, thousands. It's not even a bunch of cards. It's like boxes upon boxes and yeah. like thousands of autos that they got to sign within yeah. 30 days or whatever. So I think on the same flip side, as we're talking about print runs and stuff like that, I think they should start making autos a lot more rare. And that comes with a print run too, right? If, if you want it to be a yeah. hit where it's one a box or one per hobby box, then make the print runs a lot shorter, man. Like don't be... Because even at this point, you know, Bowman first, like the the king of baseball, mm. like you guys may or may not agree, but I, I kind of starting to feel this way. Like base autos are kind of getting cheapened because there's just so many of them, you know, like these kids are yeah. signing. How many base autos are there? I don't know. Like, True. do they sign 1,500 of them? Do they sign 2,500 of them? Like, that's a lot of autographs. And then you get to the refractor and it's still signing 500, you know? <laughs> right. So I think any, any on-card auto should be pretty limited. In general, and I think that'll help even the players. Like if the players only have, only quote unquote, only have to sign a thousand autos, you know, that yeah. would, I'm sure that would certainly help agree, over, yeah. over signing 10,000 autos or, or signing 25,000 autos, right? So it goes both ways. Like this is the result, you know, Panini and Tops, like you're seeing the result of sending 50,000 cards to a player. Like they're going to start signing, like, tack, 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 like. Shohei Otani, he's he changes autograph. You know, right. like players are changing their autographs because they're tired. True. Yeah, you've seen that. And Ronald Cunha, same thing. Right. Changed his autograph a bit. Mm. Yeah. Totally agree. Kerjin Ryu signs a ton because he's one of my saved search lists on eBay. And I feel like okay. maybe because he's been signing so much, that's what contributed to his elbow tightness and his Tommy John surgery. <laughs> <laughs> We gotta protect. It's we possible. We gotta protect our athletes. Seriously, seriously, Carpal Tunnels. He screwed us over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's. Uh... <laughs> All right, I got one more too. Um, I guess with the state of the economy, you know, I'm always looking to buy, but I'm liquidating all my my collection. I just uh, actually got rid of. I think I mentioned this already. I sold my Luka Doncic silver prism at a loss. Speaking of Panini prism, Panini cards. Fell, fell into the trap of the lure of Prism because everyone wanted it during the hobby hype. Yeah. And then, and then um, everyone's just selling like crazy. So I sold mine. I also sold my Jason Tatum green Prism oh, uh, wow. the other day. Um, I actually made a little bit of profit there. Luckily, I sold it right before the Celtics lost to the Heat. Nice. So it was just good Perfect timing. Time. Um, so yeah, so I, I have some, you know, cash to play with to try to invest in a, another grail card this year hopefully to add to my mug trout bowman chrome auto um but i know for a lot of collectors even 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 for myself really um t- you know tough to buy a lot of cards with the state of the economy so my suggestion more trade nights i'm sure you know mm. like um you know uh, it's it's a great way to like uh, freshen up your collection get to know other collectors um, I'm sure it's more common in the states, right? Like here, uh, I know Mint Tank does a does a monthly, a monthly one. one yeah. Um, yeah, and I got to check one of those out for sure. I haven't had the chance, but um, yeah, just a simple solution. You know, anyone that has an LCS in their neighborhood in their community, um, just to really open up their shop to have trade nights. And I think that you know, while we're in this bear um, economy, bear market. Um, this could kind of keep the hobby a little bit, at least at least relevant still, mm. while people are slowing down on their buying. I like it. I like it. Yeah, I wanted to do this list because you know I'm sure if uh, someone from Fanatics is listening, you know, take take these ideas as you please. 
and and hopefully we see some of these ideas incorporated because you know some of these are actually pretty good ones i think all right uh let's move on to our next segment we did this last week actually uh hyung and i did this last week um it's called would you rather that was fun when we did it last time and since we have two new players will and john we'll do another round of would you rather and and it's kind of a variation of our pick one segment but this is kind of more general hobby topics i'm going to give you two choices and you guys choose which one you would you rather have or do okay all right first one is would you rather have a pc card that is incredibly off-centered or a piece have a pc card that has four dinged corners oh. Oh. <laughs> oh, it's ugly. You gotta choose. I was listening to the, the 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 week that I missed, and I think you guys did something similar, right? It was regarding like Min Gem, which which of the four quadrants would you rather have the nine on? Right, right. Okay, yeah, so yeah. it's kind of similar. <laughs> um, PC card, PC card. If it, you know, if it's a if it's a modern card, especially like uh, Topps Chrome, generally Topps Chrome, I mean. Up until recently, what wasn't using squared off borders, so being off centered wasn't as noticeable. Because for me personally, on newer cards, especially paper, if it's a you know the the card is like a red card or a black card, and you see the whitening on the corner, that bothers me so much. I get I get OCD on that like big time. Right. So generally, I think I'm, I'm more on the, I, I hate the ding corners from the off-center. But if we're talking really off-centered, you know, like the the, mis, the, the miscut or whatever the, the um, identification is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mentioned before, as I, I was starting to kind of hunt for Jackie Robinson. And, yeah. you know, if I think of it in that terms, in maybe in a vintage perspective, I'm definitely a lot more okay with Dinged corners, I mean, any of those vintage cards, like ding corners is going to happen regardless, but I would be okay with <laughs> really soft corners versus super off center. So, okay. I don't know. This is, this is, I, it's, it's tough. I think, as I think I hate ding corners the most, but for a PC card, uh, I'll go, I'll go really off centered. I, I, I wouldn't want a really, really off centered. But I don't know. So, it goes both. Sorry, it goes both ways. Like <laughs> modern, so at, modern. I wouldn't want the ding corners, but like vintage, is, I wouldn't want it. Just like Chang. This is a I, yeah. I don't know what this is a pure John and Chang move. I, yeah. I I lay out the rules, and then they go ahead and break the rules of the game. Uh, gosh. Okay, so modern. Uh, you would you would uh you're okay with the off center? Yeah. And then okay. vintage, I'm okay with ding corners. <laughs> okay. Did you see that Sorry. one on one hit? The what was the basketball hit? Who was it? I think Cade Cunningham. Paulo Bancaro. Oh, was it Paulo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's like super OC. Oh, yeah, and yeah. And then yeah. just that's like show you. making fun vinyl, of it. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's awful. So I mean, that's my answer. I hate I hate centering issues. Like if it's 60, 40, 65, 35, then it's okay. But yeah, oh yeah, yeah Clark just oh that's rough. That. Just shared oh, the image put it up. of the Apollo one. Yeah, it's like so OC. Like I that bothers me so much. <laughs> I think um, yeah. for me, soft edges is just like it's how I grew up playing with cards or like uh, like interacting with my cards. 
even when uh when i got back into the hobby when i first joined up with you guys in the whatsapp group i found like a whole Mm -hmm. bunch of cards in like my parents basement and one of the cards i found was this 1990 marvel um the thing and it was like literally like an oval because the corners were so (laughs) so soft but i i looked at it and actually the other day i was like should i just send it out for grading to just encapsulate and then i realized oh that makes no sense because i hate grading and i don't really care (laughs) to i don't really care to um keep it from getting any more damage but like when i look at that card i I love it and i so i think for pc i'm much happier with the uh, soft edges and then like john's saying if it's vintage like like OC looks bad. Soft edges just looks like to me. It's like yeah, that's just the way cards are supposed to mm. end up. Yeah. So mm. I'm a, all right. Uh, interesting. Yeah. It's funny. I don't. Uh, oh, I don't relate to your uh, early days collecting at all because for oh yeah because yeah, we're the exact opposite we're opposite <laughs> like even when i was a kid it would go sleeve top loader immediately so when you say when i used to interact with my cards i'm like what does that mean like play with it like an airplane like <laughs> i literally used to have my marvel cards like fight each other like physically fight each other <laughs> oh man i would i would be yelling at you at 10 years old oh yeah, yeah yeah like if my kids do that, that what are you doing? Like I let <laughs> I let uh, my daughter play with some Pokemon cards, but only because yeah. I knew that they were like base common, like zero value. Right. But yeah. even the way she was playing with them, I was like, oh, that's a little too rough. <laughs> Let's preserve the integrity of the card, please. <laughs> yeah, that's um, that's how my son treats his Pokemon cards too. I bought him one of those like eight hundred count white boxes to like organize yeah and then um a day later when i opened it all the cards were like scrambled oh. inside oh. and he's like shaking it up and down yeah, yeah, yeah. like why did i buy this box for you <laughs> this is not how you organize cards but anyway um for me i I'd, i hate both obviously but i'd rather have the off center the ding corners are kind of a but would bug me too much mm. the whitening yeah so off center for me. even that Paulo Bancaro. I don't know. Is there's there's so much in that design. It's like oh, maybe it was on purpose. It's <laughs> like maybe it was <laughs> maybe there's an artistic decision <laughs> by the by the card manufacturer to do it this way. So whereas you know, like whenever I drop a card, you know, and it hits a corner, oh, that's oh. like my heart skips a beat. Yeah. You know what I mean, like it's just that dinged corner effect. So <laughs> for me, for me, it's I'd rather have the card that's off center. Okay, next one. Would you rather open one hobby box or ten blasters? Oh. So, so <clears throat> I've done both many, many times. <laughs> and which one gave you more pleasure? Um, you know what? It depends on what I was like trying to go for. I really like um, mm-hmm. the channel Striker Breaks. Uh, he breaks down a lot of baseball. And uh, he... like. He shows statistical data that says that, uh, well, in the hobby, we say hangers are bangers because in the hangers, (laughs) you can get a lot more color and like parallels. Yeah. Like this is only for baseball because I think basketball, they don't put hits into retail, right? Right. But for baseball, it's like 
you know, like some one of one got found in a Walgreens pack for like two dollars, like a fat pack right, for right, like three yeah. bucks, right? So you could hit anything in there. So I have a lot of fun ripping blasters. And hobbies, I'm very much like hobbies are the thing I open the most. And it's the mm-hmm. most disappointing because I never get the auto. I always get the <laughs> oh, relic. That's rough. Yeah. I always <laughs> get the relic. So I'm just always it's like yeah, I have the same chance of getting an auto from ten blasters as I do one hobby box, which is zero <laughs> autos. <Yeah. laughs> so you you rather have the ten blasters because you at least get other stuff. Oh with shoot. It. No, no, I, I stick with the hobby because I like the idea of out of ten clear. That's like hobby has out of ten clear okay. in baseball. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, so I like that. Yeah. But if okay. it was something else like another sport, I'd probably rip uh, the retail, like the blasters. Gotcha. You know when um, <clears throat> I was first ripping uh, quite a bit. It was like early twenty twenty uh, when like the mm-hmm. Louis Robert Topps Chrome Bobichet year came out. That's what that was the height of grade, grading, right? Like we're base would be yeah. you know bobochet base was going for like 200 usd and it made so right. much sense to grade for 22 dollars us and you would qu- immediately flip pro- big profits and blasters were at that time were so fun because mm-hmm. you, even just hitting the build those base cards you know like if i open 10 blasters i could potentially hit four or five louis roberts five, six Bobichettes, Jordan Alvarez, a bunch. And you're, like, in terms of ROI, at that time, it was it was amazing, right? And then Hobby may or may not hit a base card of a, a particular player, right? You're really paying that incredible premium for the auto or whatever the, the hit is, the, the color in the box. Now, I mean, either way, I think it's such a losing proposition. The yeah. prices are so mm-hmm. high. You know, whether it's, you know, like a giant flawless case at $8,000 or it's a, a Walmart blaster box at 40 bucks, your your return on investment is probably like 5%, you know, like even if, if you were to get, even if you were to get a yeah. hit, it's like you're just, you're, you're making your money back. It's incredible. Like these guys are opening up flawless boxes and they're like screaming at the top of the, oh yeah, like logo man. How much do you think that's worth? It's like, oh, it's probably worth like six thousand dollars. It's like <laughs> you don't you don't even make your money back on like the greatest yeah. hit in the box, right? So I don't know. This is this I think with all that being said, uh it is a little tough because usually I I mean, I don't know, like a lot of the times now now what's become popular is the case hit, right? And case hits generally come from the hobby boxes, but I think because mm-hmm. they started to make I don't know if they make kabooms or downtowns a part of. I think they do, right? A part of like the retail hits. Yeah, I got kabooms at uh, retail. Yeah, I'm. I'm. When it comes down to just ripping and having fun, I'm gonna give the edge. This might be an unpopular opinion, but I'm still gonna give the edge to Blaster because you're getting more packs. Um, you right. still have a decent chance of getting hits, um, and you're. It's just more more ripping. Like that's what's fun about it. More ripping and having right, a chance right. at something nice, right? So. I'm gonna give the okay. I'm gonna give the edge to blaster, but I feel like that's an unpopular opinion. No, that's why I put it together because with the blaster boxes, yeah, that's definitely the appeal. You get you you rip a ton more packs um, than than a one hobby box, right? But the flip side, why I put it together is like you could get nothing out of the blaster box too. Right. Like I've ripped a lot of blasters over the years, 
and my success rate with blasters are like 0.00007%. You know what I mean? And hobby box, you get one. All you know, but it's it's an autograph, yeah. You know, but it's like an autograph of Eli Morgan, a relief long relief pitcher for the Cleveland Guardians. You know, what I mean? yeah. so it, it could be like, really personal. <laughs> it's, it's it's a it could be a true story, but um, <laughs> but uh, I'm still going with the one hobby box. I'd rather be guaranteed it, and the um, uh, versus having just piles of cards with nothing in them mm. from the from the many blasters I've opened. So one hobby box for me. All right. Um, this is a similar one that I did last week with Young. It's really, uh, you know, well, let me tell you what it is. Would you rather have a 2023 Bowman Chrome purple refractor card number to 250? Or would you rather have a 2023 Bowman Chrome blue lunar refractor number to 150? Wait, what? A brand new... Parallel. I've never even heard of Blue I gotta, Lunar. I gotta quickly look up Blue Lunar. Yeah, it's like uh, like those craters on the moons on the moon. <laughs> I mean, but the, this is a part of uh, is this is a part of Bowman baseball. Yes, twenty twenty three Bowman this year. Yeah. So you know, it's kind of like what I asked Hyung was like, would you rather like the red lava number to five, right, or a true orange number right. to twenty five? I was I was like when I was listening to that episode I was like oh that's such a tough one. <laughs> well, which one? Okay, which one you chose quickly on that one? Because I, I chose red I, lava and Hyung chose orange. Actually, I I think the true color, unless the colors clash with the team. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I could, I went the other way. The red lava was a color match. The the choice I gave with Ellie De, De La Cruz. Oh yeah, yeah, I would go with the red lava for that one. Okay, I, I think uh, I, I'm I'm picking red lava too. I don't want to pick red lava, but in it's in still Bowman, an out of five. In Bowman, the red, regardless of you know lava or whatever, lunar or whatever it is, it's still so strong that that the color red it just commands exactly. such a monster premium that I'll still I'll still pick the lava. Oh, yeah. So this is why I kind of did it a little bit not as extreme. Right, right. The blue lunar was just to one fifty. Like all other blues, yeah. and then the true purple, which is two fifty, of course. How many blues do they have then? They have a blue lunar. I think they have a blue shimmer still, right? Um, and a true blue. True blue. I'm I'm going blue wave. Ugh. Blue wave. Oh, I'm gonna go uh, again. I kind of hate to go with this because you you guys know we're, the three of us were not really fans of all these new parallels, but I'm gonna go blue lunar because. Mm. You know, we're collect all collectors at heart and we all know for sure in our PC, we're not carrying a blue lunar or a purple probably, right? We're going right. to, you know, we're going to carry something different. So both of them are going to be sold and they're going to be traded away as quickly as possible. <laughs> so if that's the case, I'm going to go with the blue lunar because I think it'll command a little bit more money. Okay. Yeah, purple's, right. purple's a tough color. Like it's yeah, just... purple and green. Yeah, purple mm. and green, and yeah, and orange. Like, it's just because it's out of twenty five, right? I didn't, right. I didn't know this until like three weeks ago. I was gonna put it into this into our WhatsApp chat. I didn't mm. realize that the colors are in like correspondence to the rainbow. So it's red, orange, yellow, green, oh, blue, purple. Mm. I didn't know right? that either. Right? I didn't, yeah. 
That's true. Mind blown. So that it makes sense. <laughs> like it makes sense why they made it like right, right out of five, orange out of twenty five. But I'm just like, man, like you should not have done it like that. It should have been yeah. like gold should be gold out of, out of five. five. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And like purple and green and orange could be like fighting at the end. Yeah. <laughs> Did I blow your guys' mind? I thought everyone. I thought I didn't bring it up because I assumed everyone knew it, and I didn't want to sound like an idiot. Like, I had no idea. hey I had no guys, idea. that makes so much sense. <laughs> now everyone knows. Everyone that listens to this podcast knows. Nice, but yeah. So what are you choosing? Oh, the blue, purple. I the blue lunar. I have a Cunha right. purple chromato. I'm just like, ugh, I can't wait to get rid of this. <laughs> All right. I guess I'm going to make it a little bit tougher next time. Something in between um, the red lava orange and the purple and blue lunar. But yeah, I'm going to go with the blue lunar as well. It could be hobby logic. You know, it's lower numbered, but you know, the it could be a true purple could in some instances command more. I, I think I saw that a few times. Not with the blue lunar, but like other blue wave or, you know what I mean? Interesting. Where the purple is higher. So, um, but I'm going with the blue lunar as well. All right. Got a couple more. Would you rather have an autograph rookie card, number to nine ninety nine. So kind of let's let's use Connor McDavid SP Future Watch as an example, mm. just to get in your head. Or would you get an autograph non rookie card of the same player? So let's say McDavid, number to fifty with a patch, like a second year, third year. Yeah, the cup patch, patch auto, right? But non rookie. But in lower serial number. Right. Ooh. Man, you got the you, now you have Conrad David in my head. So now I'm just strictly thinking hockey. And it's pretty easy decision when I'm thinking hockey. I'm trying to not be biased towards hockey and think about what would I think if this was basketball or baseball. Okay, well, well with hockey is what? You're choosing the rookie? I'm taking Future Watch for sure. Because Future Watch oh, is okay. it's a thing, right? Like right. It, it's beyond just like a unnumbered out of 99 autograph. It's like that's yeah, sort yeah. of the main chase, right? So yeah, generally speaking, it, I'm not, I wasn't thinking Future Watch and yeah. specifically for this example, but yeah. Oh, that's tough. I think, I think I'm generally speaking, you still have to go with the rookie auto numbered out of 99. Because even if you're to... Think of something like, um, you know, Bowman first auto versus, uh, you know, refractor. It's number out of four ninety nine. Um, not sure, the greatest sure. example, number, but yeah. but Bowman first refractor versus, uh, you know, Topps Dynasty out of ten or right. Topps Dynasty out of fifty. I think most people still. That's a good example. I think people yeah. still pick, you know, I, I, liquidity, uh, all of that stuff in terms of like potential. I I still think the rookie auto is the one to go with. So I'm gonna pick with the I'm gonna go with the rookie auto. Okay. Well, I think John's last point is what convinced me because I hate high end baseball. I think it's just really unattractive, and so. Oh, you're not a fan of like Topps Dynasty? No, no. Like, oh, just geez. I don't like. I don't know. Like, I wish. Uh, I wish it was like National Treasures. Like that's the one thing about Panini that I like. <laughs> I think their National Treasures is is a really nice looking card. Mm-hmm. We just don't get that in baseball. I mean, there's unlicensed, and I am the king of unlicensed. But, <laughs> right. um, but yeah, so I'm gonna okay. go with the uh, the out of four nine or out of nine ninety nine. Right. Okay, it's gonna be a sweep. Uh, I'm a sucker for rookie cards. 
It, it makes my collecting easier because I, I rarely look at non-rookies. Um, but, you know, I thought some people might get hung up on the uh, the patch auto and the lower numbered. Mm. Okay, last one. This is more psychological, okay? So you got to you gotta listen to um, this carefully. Would you rather once have had a card that you sold for 100 bucks, but it's now worth $10,000 versus... Would you rather have a card now that you bought for a hundred dollars, but now it's worth one dollar? Say that again. <laughs> okay. So, would you rather be in a situation? That's, okay. Uh, maybe that's a better wording. That uh, where you once had a card that you sold for a hundred dollars, so you don't have it anymore. You got a hundred bucks, but now it's worth ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars, right? But you have a hundred bucks. Or would you rather have a card that you bought for a hundred bucks? But it's now worth one dollar. Oh, I'm. Uh, Do you know what I mean? Yep, yep. The, so you spent the one hundred dollars. You're down one hundred dollars yep. in the second scenario, and it's worth essentially nothing. Yeah. In the first scenario, you have a hundred bucks, but you know the card's worth ten thousand dollars if you had, if you only had hold on to it. Yeah. Um. <laughs> this is probably what's gonna what makes me a bad investor. <laughs> I, I I would rather take that L. And and have a one dollar card, then have that pain of knowing I sold a hundred dollar <laughs> card and now it's worth tens of thousands of dollars. Because an investor would be like, "Hey, you 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 take your W's where you can," but no, right. that would that would eat me alive for the rest of my life. <laughs> okay, I I like that. I appreciate the honesty. Yeah, yeah, I'm hundred percent the same. Like, I would <laughs> it would keep me up at night. I wouldn't be able to sleep. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, so, anytime so somebody take- mentions, "Oh, what a beautiful card," you're like, "No, it's the worst card." I yeah, I might even now. stop collecting. Like it's just like, <laughs> "Oh, I'm done. I, I lost. I screwed it all up. I'm not participating anymore." Yeah. Okay. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna up the ante, up the stakes. Okay. Would you rather have sold a car for ten thousand dollars? You got ten k, but it's worth a hundred k right now. Okay. <laughs> or would you have a car that you bought for 10k but it's worth 100 bucks? Ooh. Ooh. Same? Are you guys saying the that's, same answer? Oh, that's well, that one. I, think, that that, I think that's different. I think yeah. that's different cuz now we're getting Okay. Yeah. That one gets the wives involved. it's like honey i lost ten thousand dollars it's like oh we're getting divorced yeah versus oh honey i could have made this amount of money but i still have ten thousand dollars that i profited and then she's like how much could you have made uh six figures (laughs) but at least i still have the 10k like she could in her anger she'll buy herself a bag from Prada or whatever. So yeah, at the end of the day, at both scenarios, you get you get personally zero dollars. Yeah, yeah, I lose no matter. I stay up all night. I don't sleep anymore. Right. Okay. It's all it's all perspective. I think if you know we're like sure a millionaires, and this is a drop in bucket. Obviously, this is as if it was question number one. But ten thousand dollars for us is a is a good chunk of change. So now for me, it, it certainly flips. I would. I don't think I would selling something for ten thousand dollars would be a big sell for me. Um, yeah. 
and to know that that card eventually turned into $100,000, I would certainly be aware that if I'm selling it right <laughs> now, I know that there is that chance, but I'm going to, I'm going to sell it now. And mind you, I should be taking this mindset for question number one as well. But right. when we're talking minimal dollars, it, it's a, it's a lot different. So $10,000 is, is big enough that, yeah, it, it, for something that's 10,000 to go to a hundred bucks, that's a, yeah. that's a little different. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I'm going with the, the first scenarios. I'm, I'm a better investor than you guys. All right. I'm taking the win. <laughs> And and also it really happened to me. My Mookie bets I sold for sixty five bucks and it went up to like three four k at one point. Oh, so I, I know the pain. Oh. I know it. So I got to live with it. Hey, I got sixty five dollars. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, that was another fun round of Would You Rather. We'll do it again. <laughs> I'll think of some more uh, scenarios. Always fun to think of these up. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, finish off the show with our regular weekly segment. We call Pick One. So it's kind of like what we did, but we're going to choose or put up a couple of cards or sets, and then we debate which one we would rather invest in. All right. So, John, do you want to start things off? Yeah, let's do it. So in honor of uh, hockey playoffs, we're going with uh, two main studs on each finalist team. We're going Matthew Kachuk, Future Watch mm-hmm. Auto, PSA 10, last sold for 825 USD versus Jack Eichel Future Watch Auto PSA 10 last sold for 850 USD so right around the same mark and you know funny is um I was supposed to be on the show last week and last minute I, I sorry Clark I bailed on you guys but my my no 1v1 at that time and this is just seven, literally 7 days ago was Matthew Kachuk <laughs> yeah. versus Tage Thompson Future Watch Auto at 500 bucks Matthew Kachuk has gone wow. to $850 in in a matter of 7 days so Wow, um, crazy. I had to I had to change it to Jack Eichel. <laughs> okay, yeah. got it. You have a, you want to go first? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will base this on my limited understanding and knowledge. <laughs> I saw Matthew Kachuk on NHL on TNT interacting with Shaq and uh, Chuck, so I'm gonna go with him because I feel like he's got more <laughs> personality. He's a son of a former player. I recognize mm-hmm. the name. Um, he was on Calgary, so I'm gonna go with him. Yeah, it's, it's actually a great point. Yeah. <laughs> like he's recognizable, yeah. you know. Yeah, like I know the name. I didn't know this about Matthew Kachuk. Speaking of just um, his connections in the past, like he went to high same high school as Jason Tatum. Yeah, right? yeah, it's funny. That's crazy. That's crazy. I saw some video clips, so it's kind of funny. And even then, you could see he had a personality. Um, but I was always under the impression, and you could correct me, John, that like Jack Eichel has the higher ceiling. Yes. Am I am I wrong about nope, that? Or? You're not. So I, I, that's my decision. I'm gonna go with Eichel because I feel like he has a higher ceiling. Um, like I remember when I don't remember when Kachuk was drafted. I know he was drafted high, but. I do remember when Jack Eichel was drafted and, you know, with the Sabres, right? Mm-hmm. And um, just the expectations put on him. And it looks like he's playing for a much better team now. And I think he still could do great things in the league. So I'm go- for that reason, I'm going to play the one with I, what I believe has the better ceiling um, in terms of value and uh, career. So Jack Eichel for me. Mm-hmm. All right, you guys make a point. So you guys know a long time ago I was uh, on the on the big Jack Eichel 
train. He yeah. is uh, skill set wise the higher potential of the two. Jack Eichel. I mean, when you're watching him in juniors, he was every bit very similar to Austin Matthews. Like he is of that caliber. Hmm. Now Matthew Kachuk. I think people always thought he was sort of the hard nosed hits fights if he needs to can pot a couple of goals here and there is going to kind of turn into like a 80 85 point 100 pim kind of player uh exactly what you want for a stand cup playoff winning team but again i think people are underestimating who matthew kachuk is this guy is literally scoring over 100 points a season whether it's with calgary or it's with florida he's still doing it He's completely mm-hmm. underrated. And, you know, for Leaf fans, we witnessed Matthew Kachuk in person <laughs> right. to dominate us. Like every play, he touches the puck, he wins puck battles, he makes, you know, he, he bothers our players. Like he does everything correctly that you'd want in a playoff performance. Um, so now it becomes a lot more even, even because I think Jackal Echo has that high ceiling. But hey, I think Kachuk also, you're looking at the high ceiling. And I always wanted Matthew Kachuk because I used to have Brady Kachuk and I wanted the two cards together. And then I, I traded the Brady and that kind of derailed my, you know, wanting the two together, obviously. And dude, back then the Kachuk, I mean, this is like a month ago or two months ago. It was like you could have got his future watch auto for 300 bucks, you know? Yeah. Um, Crazy. Yeah. So I think. The tiebreaker here, because we're talking two high end talents, they're both in the Stanley Cup playoffs. My, and let's put a little caveat here. I'm uh, nobody should buy these cards right now because <laughs> they're at the peak value. So we're not saying buy it right now. It's just for the sake of argument one v one. I like Will's point about Matthew Kachuk. His personality. He's being featured like TNT basketball. Um, I think that's a good thing. And and Jack Eichel, if you guys know, like he doesn't come off well. He comes off cocky. He's a little smug, you know, smug, and you know, like. People generally don't kind of like his attitude and his personality, even off, off, you know, like on interviews. So I think that is a big tiebreaker in terms of likability in the hobby. So of the two guys, Will's going to be that tiebreaking comment, comment, and it's going to be, it's going to be Matthew Kachuk for me. Kudos to Will. I'm here for all the hockey takes. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. All right. Good one. Uh, Will, you want to go next? Uh Aha. Um, so mine is actually, they're both sold within the last uh, month. Mm-hmm. Um, so my pick one is Shohei Otani's 2018 Bowman Chrome red refractor auto out of five. It's the one where he's wow. throwing. Um, I yeah. believe that's his first auto, right? That's why we love this one so much. One of the, yeah, yeah, the most valuable. Yeah, and it was mm. sold for $276,000 in a PSA nine grade. Versus mm-hmm. the 1954 Topps Hank Aaron PSA 8.5, it just sold for two hundred and four thousand dollars. So obviously, this is not geared towards us as regular collectors <laughs> and investors, but it just like it's kind of fun to imagine we're billionaires, we have Jeff Bezos money, <laughs> and we're thinking like, right. which card do I want to have and keep? Um, a couple other details. Uh, the Otani has sold four. The same Otani card has sold four times through Golden. Uh, 
Uh, December 2021, 312,000. June of 2022, 240,000. October of 2022, 276. And then just in May, like just this uh, past month, 276,000 again. Uh, yeah. The Hank Aaron, there's two PSA 10s, there's 25 PSA 9s, and then there's eight PSA 8.5. So that's like the top 35, right? There are also five SGC 9s, um, nine SGC 8.5s, there's two BGS 8.5s, and there's a H- one HGA 9.5. Ooh. Mm. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. you guys didn't catch that. I said there's a HGA 9.5 of a 1954 <laughs> and Karen and you guys didn't say anything. I didn't even notice. <laughs> you're, you're throwing out so many letters out there, right? So I, it's like SGC, CGC, I HGA. I'm like, okay. Can, that, I, Can, I you imagine? Can you imagine an HGA graded? Hey, Karen. Hey, Karen, what would that be? But yeah, um, it's very... If it was an HGA high grade, I wouldn't crack it. Because if you crack it, it's probably a PSA 2. But it's super super low pop, right? Like there's like maybe 50 uh, comparable ones. The the Hank Aaron in 2021 is sold for 206,000. 2022, there was a sale for 192. May mm-hmm. there were, and then the one that just sold is two hundred four thousand. So over two years, it's kind of kept the same value. Mm-hmm. But there's something interesting. There's a little caveat. February of this year, another uh, another card in eight point five sold for one hundred forty four thousand. So significantly less. Um, and I think that's because in vintage, I appeal is everything. So just right. because they're, you have two PSA eight point fives side by side, one can be worth two hundred four thousand, and the other is one hundred forty four. So, which mm-hmm. ones? Which one do you like? Which one do you want to have in your collection? You're only allowed to have one of them. Mm. I'll go. I'll, I'll my collection. I'll go, go first. I'll go first. Yeah. I have my thoughts wrapped up here. Okay, so this there has to be some perspective here, right? If if 200,000 or 250,000 is like what your collection is worth now. So you are a high roller, but this is like the upper, upper echelon. Like you're going to trade your entire collection for one singular card. You have to assume you have to go with the Hank Aaron because if you're going to put all your eggs in one basket, I think you should be prudent and be safe. And it's easily the Hank Aaron. But I'm going to assume if we're talking quarter million dollar cards, we're going to be responsible investors and this is maybe like t- worth 10% of our or 5% of our collection or 1% <laughs> of our collection. And if that's right. the case and we're just throwing out quarter million dollars like this, I'm for me, it's Otani for sure. I think Otani is on that pace to greatness and also on that pace where in terms of investors, like we're now feeling very confident about putting money and putting a lot of money into Otani. Um, and I'm of that opinion too. I think I am all in to get a nice grail Otani. I'm there. So I think, you know, we're talking the upper, upper echelon of Otani collectibles. And 
this is a type of card, yeah, there's more risk at, at hand. But again, if you're being a responsible investor and this is only a little percentage of your uh, collection, I think the upside is just too amazing on that Otani Red. I think that's a card that could be a million dollars in the future if, you know, once Otani's career is all said and done and he didn't have a catastrophic career ending injury and all, th- all things went well. I think this is the upper echelon big boy card that you're looking for. So yeah, it's Otani for me. Wow. Wow. That, that's a huge F, man. Yeah. <laughs> if he doesn't. So I'm actually, I'm going to go for Hank Aaron because I, I, I think it's like, I think it's recency bias. Like he is killing it this year. Right, mm-hmm. and I'm full. Like me personally, I'm fomoing hard. I'm always yeah, looking at cards. Yeah, I want to. I want to buy one so bad. I'm yeah. like, you know, I'm ready to pay a small premium for one. But at that level, no, I can't. I can't take that much risk <laughs> at the at the red out of five level. And and because of that, you know, because of that huge risk, um, it just it just makes more sense to. Uh, invest in a Hank Aaron and for me personally too like when I got back into the hobby Hank Aaron is one of my grail cards like I love the look of the card yeah it's a beautiful and card at the PSA yeah 8.5 the vintage at that in that condition that's a beauty so and plus you know vintage in general we talked about this in a previous episode it's the only set of cards right now that's kind of recession proof you know like the, the like the better vintage cards or vintage baseball players yeah. you know and and their their um, general trajectory is like just either steady or going up slowly, kind of like mutual funds, right? So, um, so I'm gonna go with Hank Aaron. But man, if I had all the money in the world, yeah, for my PC, like the, it's a color. I'm a sucker for color match. <laughs> I would mm-hmm. I choose Shohei. But um, if I'm being a reasonable investor, yeah, I'm gonna go with Hank Aaron in this case. I like uh, initially I was going to handcuff you guys and say like oh it has to be a PC item or it has to be like like you trade away everything you can only have one card in your collection forever but I, yeah. I like that I didn't do that and you guys kind of tackled it from different ways cuz that's kind of how I how I was thinking right. about this uh like which one I would want and so like the Otani like like you said I'm fomoing so hard <laughs> and like yeah. this is his legitimately his I mean, we could argue his second best card. There's the one of one mm-hmm. Super Factor Auto, mm-hmm. and yeah. which I did some research. It got pulled in 2018 oh, right. and yeah, got sold for $145,000. Oh, yeah. man. I think it's 184 actually. Oh, 184 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. if you, like, if you just say, like, okay, let's price that. The same as Mike Trout's uh, Bowman Chrome Draft uh, Super Factor Auto, I think that mm-hmm. sold for like what did I write in my notes? Like four point three point eight four um, million dollars. Right. Yeah, yeah. So if that guy kept the card, he's like twenty five x right now. Yeah, twenty five x one eighty four thousand. Yeah, he opened it from a two hundred dollar hobby box, like. Oh my god! Like that you know when you were talking about the um, your scenario, would you rather? I was actually right. playing out the scenario of being that guy who sold the one of one super factor auto of Shohei Otani. <laughs> I wouldn't sleep. But anyway, um, regardless of all of that, I'm I'm with Hank Aaron. I'm with Clark. 
I, wow. Yeah, and I love mm-hmm. I love I can't that Shohei card, but that that Hank Aaron and he's like Shohei is gonna be. I don't know. Like he might become the goat one day. He could. But, There's a potential. But Hank yeah, Aaron sure. is legit the goat. What? Okay, know? hang on. What's what's the pop report on anything above eight point five across all grading companies on Hank Aaron? Less than a hundred, I assume, right? Or yeah, is yeah. It, I gave yeah. it. I is gave it even it less you. than that? So yeah, yeah, well mentioned. Twenty-seven. Forty. Oh, you gave it to me. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, thirty. Yeah. Totally glossed over that. I think the HGA thing okay, kind of so- screwed me. <laughs> So greater than greater than eight point five across SGC, BGS, and PSA, it's two PSA tens, twenty five PSA nines, and five SGC nines. That's the only grades that are higher than. Uh, yeah, it's low. It's low. Yeah, yeah. It's super low. And in Otani's, I, like I don't. We don't even know if all five reds have been pulled, right? So this is. So I saw this is a top five PSA. Card. There's a PSA six and a PSA nine. That's been that's on PSA's uh, pop report. I didn't look. Pretty at, sure I didn't look BGS. at BGS. Yeah, I'm sure there's a BGS. Right. I'll buy. I wonder how much a PSA six would go for. Hundred thousand easily. Ten bucks. Damn. So low. Va- I was gonna buy it. <laughs> so low. I was gonna buy it, but you said hundred k. <laughs> oh shoot. <laughs> I like that. I like that one. Yeah, that was good. It's a fantasy one v one. All right. <laughs> Well, I got this um, one off with my uh, pick one. It's also kind of a fantasy because uh, I don't know if you all have uh, thousands just lying around to buy this card. But um, on one side, I am picking the Luka Doncic, the blue prism, true blue, number to 199, uh, PSA 10, versus the Michael Jordan Fleer, iconic Fleer rookie card. And I believe I gave you guys the PSA 9. Right, yeah. I'm just gonna double yep. check. Yeah, PSA nine, and the reason why I chose it because the at the peak, they ended around the same amount, like seventy nine thousand at the peak for uh, MJ Fleer PSA nine. It's going for about thirteen thousand five hundred now, so that's a huge drop. Um, pop count just under three thousand, right? Uh, Luka Doncic, of course, is a lower pop count, thirty eight for PSA ten of the one ninety nine. But it's also going for just under thirteen thousand. So in terms of last sold, it's around the same amount. And at, at its peak, it also sold for close to eighty thousand. So seventy eight thousand. So at its peak, sold for the same amount. Right now, they're kind of going for the same amount, but the pop count's significantly different. One's more iconic than the other. Which one are you going for? Oh, oh this is man. tough. <laughs> This is actually very similar to the last one. Can I go first? Mm. Yes. Sure, sure. Okay. I think there's I think the Jordan card there's way too much pop and I think there's a lot of um hanky-panky going on with Jordan cards. Like in terms of people right. like trying to uphold its value and like they're hoarding like hundreds upon hundreds of Jordan cards and I mean the mm. pop like it's three thousand. It's too many. So I think there's something fishy going on there. I don't trust the numbers. I don't trust the price on it. Luca's card is numbered. It's out of one ninety nine. It's blue. It's it should be such a great card to have. But it's the last time out. I was yeah the last time I was on the podcast. 
I said this, mm-hmm. and I'm glad nobody picked up on it. I think <laughs> Luca's overrated. I don't <laughs> know if he's actually that good, guys. You're not Ooh. alone. You're not alone. Oh yeah. no. That's, oh okay. No. I thought I was the only one. Everyone's always like, "Look at this. Look at that." And basketball is the sport. You're alone I... on the on the podcast on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Yes, you're alone <laughs> on this podcast. In, in, in out, real life, out of out of the podcast. On Twitter, on Twitter, you're not alone. That, that's for sure. <laughs> he's he's not that good. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. Man. Wow, he's hot not take. Not that good. He's not Jokic. He oh, does. I don't like, know about that. You know, he's like. <laughs> His stats look amazing. His flashy passes and plays look amazing. But I don't mm-hmm. know that he makes his teammates better. I think Jokic makes his teammates so much better. That's fine. I I actually don't think that highly of Doncic or Jason Tatum. I put them on the same level as, and this is the hobby hot take that I'm taking. Or this is my, I'm never going to mm-hmm. be on the podcast again. <laughs> I put them at the same level as Trey Young. I think they're all the same. Wow. Okay. Cut his mic. Cut his mic. So (laughs) I'm in a tough spot because I think that Hmm. Jordan card's a little fishy. And that Luca card, it does look really nice. So I don't know. Ugh. I pick. I pick. You got to choose. Oh, I picked the Jordan, but I'm not happy about it. I'm not happy about either one. Wow, okay. Yeah. Yeah. The Jordan. Who invited this guy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, I respect that pick, though, Jordan. You John? know what? I, I like that because um, Will is of that opinion, and it's that opinion that is driving down the Luca prices right now. And me as a, <laughs> me as a believer in Luca. I want to see more of it because I want to see that blue prism drop to a number where I could potentially obtain it. Right. Um, I'm with Will though. He does make a good point and and maybe not anything is going on fishy with the PSA nine Jordan, but perhaps there is something. I mean, we, we know like Jason, what's his name? Jason Coons from OTS sports. I know he's got a a big pile of PSA 10 Jordans and, there are big time collectors out there that have hoarded these cards that can, I mean, that's the advantage of having the pop control is that you can, you know, make manipulate prices and it's not nothing. It's not nothing evil. It's just, that's the advantage mm-hmm. you have if you own a hundred out of the 300 pop. Right. And I think that it. certainly drives whatever is the price of the PSA 10 is certainly going to influence the price of the PSA nine. Um, this is tough too because I think you know if if you're talking investment and you're talking oh it's a little ballooned uh, and there's you know like Young would say there's a lot more to come down in, in these cards. I think both are in the same boat. If you argue that there's more to come down in the Luca, I think you could say the same thing about the Jordan PSA, the PSA nine. Um, now, with all that being said. This is tough. Uh, uh, this is really tough because I think for the three of us, for anybody, the Fleer 86 Jordan is like an all-time grail. And to have like a basically a near mint mint card of it, man, that's like a dream come true. But at the same time, I think Clark and I, you know, for me, I I definitely believe in Luca. And whatever is said about somebody like Luca is exactly what was said about somebody like Kobe Bryant. It's the exact same words that are coming out. Oh, he can't. He hogs the ball. 
he controls right. he does he does everything you know like he he's just he's not a, he's not a winner because he he can't win and you know he's not doesn't make his teammates better it doesn't matter like special players are special players for a reason they you know yeah they might hog the ball but there's there's a reason for it if you watch Dallas games and you get you get first if you ever watched Laker games when in Kobe's era without Shaq and you watched Dallas games, it's the exact. I I have the same feeling, like down to the <laughs> wire. There's like you know you're down by five. Luca's hitting shots every time. Then the next play down, he's like, okay, I'm gonna pass it off to somebody else for once. Brick, I'm gonna pass it off to somebody else for brick. Colby's <laughs> coming down, hits like two threes in a row. The Lakers are down by four with a minute. I'm gonna pass it off to Nick Van Exel. Brick. It's a, it's the same story. Like when you don't have. When you're the stud player and you don't have that confidence in your teammates that they ju- they're just not hitting shots, like you're just like, okay, give me the damn ball. I'm not going to take every shot from here on in. It's just the way it works. So I think that is just the life of being a stud, man. Like that's just how it's going to work until <laughs> he gets the proper team and the proper construction of a team. So I am, I am liking that people are hating on Luca and calling him not, not, he's not him. He's, let's see, he's overrated. I like it because I'm gonna pick the Luca Doncic blue because he's got <laughs> he's got the upside. Even even with the Kyrie experiment, eh? Kyrie's oh, a Kyrie's player, yeah. Man. Kyrie's I don't know. He's 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 something else. We we kind of knew that was gonna happen. Either it was gonna be amazing or it's just gonna be it's gonna self destruction. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Who thought it was gonna be amazing? I don't think anyone thought it was gonna. Be I don't amazing. think anyone really did, but you know, did. <laughs> I think potential. I think Luca fans were hopeful that this hopeful, was yeah, maybe this yeah. could be it. <laughs> I don't I don't like that Kobe comparison because I love Kobe so much. <laughs> Kobe was so polarizing, man. I love Kobe, but it, it is Kobe, what it is. Kobe looked around sure. and was like, man, my teammates suck, and he dropped 81 points on us and won the <laughs> right. game. That's the yeah, thing. Luca's not going to win the game for you. But that's what he was doing this season. He dropped, like, what did he drop? 66 or whatever? I don't know what it was, but he won the game. And the next game, literally after that, he dropped, like, 51, and he won the game. He was this is pre Kyrie, but he was willing his team to victory. I'm not into <laughs> I'm not into rings culture because obviously my favorite player is Demar Derozan, and I don't think he'll ever get a ring. <laughs> but let's just like I think Demar might end up with as many rings as Luca does. So hot, oh, hot take, wow, hot okay, take. yeah, hot take. Kobe, right, I'm gonna break five. the tie. <laughs> Luca's still young, right? Okay. Um, I'm gonna break the tie. I'm gonna go with the Luca Blue. I I I agree with your assessment though, Will. Like the the for me, it is the pop count that bothers bothers me at 3K. Like I've seen other cards at 3K that just balloon during the hype and just come crashing down. Yep. I still think has ton of room to go down, even for a 1986 Fleer uh, MJ card. Mm-hmm. And um, at at some point, the numbered, you know, the the cards that you know that are scarce you know um not not inflated by grading and and everything else um i feel like i feel like that's got to correct itself to a certain point and i think you know luca could go down further but i don't think it's going to drop as much as the the psa 9 just because of the pop count so i'm gonna go with luca blue and the color match remember i, I i'm a sucker for color match so it's it's luca all the way and uh, this is Will's last podcast on Cards <laughs> to the Moon <laughs> for the Luca hot take. No, 
No, we love you, Will. You're always invited. You know that. Um, the fans know that. Uh, but yeah, another great show. Thanks again to all our listeners and subscribers to Cards to the Moon. We appreciate you guys. We love getting all the positive feedback we've been getting lately. And uh, if you haven't rated us and you listen to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, we'd love for you to give us five stars and tell others about this podcast. Uh, until the next one, which is probably, I think, Friday. Yeah, we'll see you then. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to Cards to the Moon. We'd really appreciate you subscribing to our podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can also connect with each of us on Instagram at 5cardguys, or you can follow Hyung at Integrity Sports Cards, or John at TradeU at Recess. You can also check us out at 5cardguys.com. Thanks again, and hope to connect soon.